Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Well, this is amazing. The All-Star Game is in the books. Love talking about the All-Star Game. Actually, that's not true. We're recording this well in advance because uh, I'm actually on vacation right now. The one chance we get a chance to do that during the NBA season is the All-Star Weekend. But hopefully this won't have changed too much in the three games that we missed between now and recording. We're going to do our center rankings, which is one that I have been looking forward to doing today because there are so many weird contracts at the center position. Just so many guys at the center position a, a position that is really evolving in some ways has more talent than it's ever had and in some ways is less valued than it's ever been it's also remarkable how few truly elite defenders there are at the position i mean i've always thought of yeah. the center spot as defense first and being the centerpiece of that and you could think back even as recently as you know marcus role on those grizzlies teams or all that and there are certainly a few very high-end defenders and there are a couple that will be in, in my tier one but there are a lot of really offensively gifted guys and some of that is also i think that while the best of the best right now have been good defenders their entire career some of these guys are offensively gifted and i think will get better they might not get they won't become dominant and so i want to see how that moves and that could be a big differentiator for which guys especially of the young guys which is something i want to talk about move into various tiers in this conversation i think the other thing that really stands about out about this position is the depth and i think you could make the argument that once you get to maybe about the 25th best center in the nba there's not that big of a difference between the 25th best and the 45th best in terms of your actual results on the court i certainly you you could compare the skill sets of those players and say hey this guy is nowhere near as skilled as this guy is but when you really look at it on the court you can get by with having the 45th best center in the nba as a starter whereas and then put your resources into other positions whereas if you look at say the 25th best shooting guard or small forward in the nba versus the 45th best now you just have a massive difference where you've got a guy who's just a huge liability on one end of the floor or the other uh and so i think that's that's very interesting I mean, there are a lot of quality players at this position but if you just kind of have a guy who's like okay so he'll protect the rim a little bit he'll get some rebounds and set some screens you're not that bad off the other element of this and it's been a challenge when we structure these in terms of position is that there are a lot of players who can play center who aren't on this list because they're primarily power forwards. And so Anthony Davis, we had on the center list. Lamarcus Aldridge, Kristaps Porzingis, we did that list before his ACL tear. It's possible that after this, we'll see see how he is, that he might just be a center from now on. So those types of guys can do it. And that versatility is important, especially for guys like Serge Ibaka and Draymond Green, who can be smaller ball centers in closing lineups. So they're not on this list. Those are guys that can play center, but these are guys who it's their primary 
primary position on an on a normal team that's what they would be and that's where we really drew the line and the the issue as it always is on the edges of it is that these guys don't have as much situational versatility because that's why they're centers there are a couple guys that can play for some that actually do but for the most part these are five only guys yeah uh, and you can of course make the argument that so many teams best lineups include a draymond green or an anthony davis playing center rather than playing at power forward and so you just don't need as many minutes out of traditional centers as you once did and so we'll remind you here of the criteria before we get into it and just determining what's a center or power forward i think we got into that more in the power forward rankings uh but you know the more you skew towards being a seven footer the more you skew towards having a little bit more half to defend in the post still somewhat of a, a concern for centers although not an enormous one that's another way in which this position has evolved in addition to offensive rebounding being less important post defense is less important and so having guys who are just kind of ground bound and strong but not really that quick you know it doesn't add as much as it used to when the offensive boards and the defensive boards for that matter and defending in the post aren't nearly as strong i mean it used to be if you didn't have someone who could defend in the post you're just going to get cooked all day long by the other team's center and you'd have to double team and that would open up all sorts of stuff whereas now that's not really a concern you can kind of have a skinny guy there a more mobile guy and so center defense really has become much less about defending in the post but still somewhat important to have some half uh the less you can shoot from the outside the more you're a center uh the less you can switch the more you're a center or guard on the perimeter um and it's just who are you guarding are you guarding the other team's center when you're out there that that's a big part of this too and then if we're going to try and figure out okay who's better how are we going to determine who's better the inquiry is who do we want for the rest of this season and the playoff and the playoff part of this is important too especially as we get into the later guys there are certain players that just their their value decreases substantially at that point and also as is commonplace for us in these we separate into tiers and the way that works for me and i think you would agree with this is that within a tier the margins are much closer and then the separations are are important so you might have a couple of different guys in the same tier and people shouldn't be like oh you had this guy over that guy you know those are generally pretty close and then the separations there some of the separations are really hard in the center spot just because you're drawing you're drawing a line when the differences as you said in the outset are different but that's the idea the idea is that within a tier especially in the later ones when we stop you know it's more about just this group of guys don't focus as much on which name we say first the differences are different which sounds completely nonsensical when i repeat it out of context like that but actually made perfect sense <laughs> when you said it all right uh we'll get started here uh i was gonna say without further ado but there will be a do because i want to tell you about our friends at, at indochino these suits are special because they actually fit you if you've been toiling with suits that do not fit in this day and age there's just no excuse for that anymore there was a time when i was a lawyer when i was coming out of law school first i went to like men's warehouse and you know they claimed that they could alter it and they couldn't and like you know the, the being a tall guy the matching pants for the suit jacket that ostensibly fit me which it didn't were like size 40 my waist is 34 so they had to like cinch it in and it all like billowed out around my waist i didn't have pleats but it almost looked like i had pleats anyway it, it was really bad and then i was like all right you know i'm starting to make some money as a lawyer here i'll go to like a nice department store and i'll get a suit and i, I don't care how much it costs like i need to get a suit that fits me and so you know i spent like a thousand dollars on a suit one time and oh hey guess what even after three weeks of tailoring still didn't fit me. 
really a, a massive disappointment and then i heard about indochino went into their san francisco showroom they got my measurements and they've made me a bunch of suits and shirts now that fit me exactly the way that they're supposed to and they're mine i'm not like oh hey these are the pants that fit with this suit off the rack we're gonna make it cinch it in for you no it's actually mine the fabric is one of dozens that they have that i chose i customized the lapels i customized the lining. i got this sweet vest as well if you can't make it to their showroom you can just they have a tutorial of how to measure yourself online you can send in your measurements three or four weeks later your suit arrives and what's more it's only 359 dollars and free shipping with that familiar promo code capspace easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's indochino.com 50 percent off the regular price for a premium made to measure suit using that promo code capspace everyone that i've talked to about indochino loves that i've recommended it just even in my personal life to many people they like it probably can actually just get all the stuff for my groomsmen at Indochino as well. Indochino.com, promo code CAPSPACE. All right, drumroll, Danny. I want to know who your number one was. My number one is Joel Embiid, which is remarkable when you consider that he's at about a season's worth of games right now in his entire career. But what makes him different is that he's an effective, at times dominant offensive player and is still my pick for defensive player of the year. And that double is different. You know, there there are other guys who have a lot of talent, but I don't doubt his ability to stay on the floor in the playoffs he does have flaws but i think he's the best individual player yeah i, I think that that's who i had as well my only reason to have some pause on that and i had him in a tier the first tier by himself in fact uh because he's really the only guy to me who combines elite scoring and elite defense and also you know he can scale because he stretches the floor a little bit too and just i mean if you look at this philly roster it's like him and ben simmons and robert covington and jj reddick and that's like 13 <laughs> like it's four guys and you see the ridiculous drop off when he doesn't play you see that he is maybe he's struggled a little bit in pick and roll defense lately and and i'm still very interested to see how he does in the playoffs when he has to get out on the floor more against elite offenses assuming they actually match up with one of those before losing in the eastern conference playoffs and assuming they make it which they seem on track to do so really my, my only concern i mean and also just the rate at which he's improved throughout the year i mean if you're gonna say just for the rest of this season the playoffs who do you want like you could probably bake in a little bit of improvement there for him as well just to see how far he's comes in things like passing out of the post in this season and he's such a matchup night where Mer- not only because he can shoot threes but he's really he and towns because demarcus doesn't even really post up that much anymore he and towns are the only two centers you look at where you're like oh like if we don't have like a real center to guard this guy we're in trouble like they're gonna he's just gonna get deep position in the post and go through us and get fouled it every time and then when you throw in that the other team has to keep a center on the floor the fact that that center still has to guard him out at the three-point line as well even though he's not hitting as many this year that he's still the scouting report on him is that he can shoot it and so teams need to take that away and then he can put it on the floor and then just like the ridiculous deterrent effect that he has at the rim uh you know he's probably top two or three in that category just as a straight rim protector and he's got great feel as well and and he's playing as many minutes and as many games now as most centers are so i'm worried a little bit that he could just get hurt later in the year but other than that i'm uh he's just been unbelievable this year Embiid is also a different type of plug and play guy but why he works in that is that you can fit him with a lot of other surrounding talent because he's a good two-way player he can anchor your defense he can do that so you can have different approaches he probably wouldn't want there are certain defensive schemes you 
would maximize with him. But I've been thinking about like, what if you had a pick and roll ball handler who could really shoot off the dribble? Like, he would kill with that kind of a guy. Simmons, they they figured a lot of this out. But you could use a lot of different offenses, and he could do well. And defensively, of course, he's he's been magnificent so far this year. This might be unfair because it's putting you on the spot. Anthony Davis is not on this list because we counted him as a power forward. Would you have had him over Embiid? Because I'm pretty sure I would have. Yes. Yeah. The the one thing that gives me a little pause about Davis is just the fact that he's so inconsistent from night to night. But um, you know, especially if he could play in a system where he didn't have to be the number one offensive engine all the time and, and play some more defense. I mean, they when he's played center, when they've had some good defense pieces around him, he's been uh, elite defensively as well. Not as good as Embiid, but still excellent. He's got the ability to get out on the floor also. Um, all right. So who else did you have? Anyone else in your top tier? I did not, as I mentioned. I did because of Joel Embiid's injury. If health were equal between these three guys, I would have Embiid in tier one by himself. But I had Towns and Gobert in my tier one as well. And it's funny to have to mark Embiid down for injury stuff and Gobert, who has missed more, who has missed a bunch of time, including this season, on there. But it's just you know with with the foot stuff with Embiid and at back and everything else like that. But Towns and Gobert are both just spectacular talents. So I think on talent they're a different tier. But for the practical matter of who you want for the rest of the season, I have them in the same. Yeah, and that's totally fair. I I had the same top three as you did. I had Towns and Gobert in tier two by themselves. Towns, easily the best offensive center in the NBA, to my mind, which is a shame that he gets, you know, the seventh most shots on the team every night now, which is just absolutely, completely insane. And, but we know that he can scale up and maintain his efficiency as he plays more. I mean, and you just to imagine, like, if he was on a team with some real spacing and shooting around and what he could do in the post, because he's very much just dependent on, like, shooting threes. He's shooting 40% on threes this year. Uh, efficiency is through the roof. We saw last year his, his usage rate was in the high 20s, no real drop in efficiency. And, I mean, it, when you look even at, like, the RPM numbers, he is by far the best center there, by far the most versatile offensive center in terms of all the things that he could do, offensive rebound, pick and roll, pick and pop, post up, turn and face, spot up, take guys off the dribble, get out and transition. I mean, he can do absolutely everything offensively. I mean, he he's, if not the most complete offensive player that we've ever seen in the NBA at the center position, he's very, very close. And he could even get better. I mean, just if you gave the circumstances and the t- time to get used to where the NBA is going, and I, I just, I shudder at where he could end up being offensively. And then defensively, it's been yeah. inconsistent, to be sure. Well, one more thing too i mean i think i think it's real on his offense it's really underrated how good he is in the post like mm-hmm. there is nobody i've seen who can stop him in the post like he his size and strength is like he gets to the spot that he wants to get to just about every time I mean, he doesn't look like the most jack guy but for whatever reason he's able to get to his spot and then his touch with both hands around the rim on hook shots he can go to the fadeaway i mean he's just he's got everything it's remarkable but uh yeah you know the, the, you want to start talking about his defense now i guess we have to we do have to and he has the physical potential to be a good defender though I I was watching the game which at this point when this gets released will have been more than a week ago against Chicago and the way he runs does concern me a little bit I feel like I'm channeling Ethan saying that but it's just there's something weird about the way he moves in that sort of open space which is so different from well well, it's it's just it's there's something weird about the way he runs when he's going from the basket that his team is shooting at towards the basket (laughs) that the other team is shooting at he looks fantastic when he's running the other direction i mean like if you see him really turn it on and sprint i mean that's what's so disappointing about his transition defense in particular is like when he really sprints the floor like he looks like a gazelle to me 
I don't but like when he jogs back I know what you mean he kind of like waddles his hips from side to side and like it doesn't really look like right but like when he really kicks it into gear like he looks very fluid to me and defensively I, I was getting this before he has the physical potential to be to be a very good I mean and he's a smart player I don't think he I wouldn't expect him especially with the offensive load that he should be carrying to ever be dominant in that way but at a certain point and this happens a lot with perimeter guys as well you start having to talk about how potential is less relevant than what they've actually done and so they have had a couple nice moments I would love to see at the end of the year how that coincides with when they've used Tyus Jones versus Jeff Teague because part of the issue with Towns is just what happens when the when the perimeter is less sound than it is at a certain other points but he's not making the difference there that the two other guys I have in this tier Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert are where those guys you have to account for them defensively you game plan for them opposing teams do when they're on offense and you see how they affect almost every single possession yeah and towns the stats are pretty ugly 56th in the nba in defensive uh, rpm among centers and the talk was that he'd gotten a little bit better and, and a little bit more active and i'd noticed that to some degree to be the case in december and january and then you know the wolves defense a bit better and then you look up and in their last 10 games they're 30th in the nba so there's he's still got a ways to go um i do think especially in terms of switching out in the perimeter if you're playing in a system where they did more of that perhaps he that would enable him to be a little bit more valuable but the rim protection the effort and really i mean the number one thing to me is the transition that he just is really bad at getting back and and getting your big men back is just so important to the integrity of your transition defense but he's still a wonderful player rudy gobert you know did not really have a great start to the season was in and out of the lineup then he missed time with that contusion that knee contusion and since he's been back though i think he's announced that he is right there uh his offense is underrated in terms of the gravity that he has getting to the rim the strides that he's made as a finisher since he first came into the league are remarkable and he's able now to not you know catch the ball down low and not really get bumped off as much and and go up for dunks uh, avoid the charge he can even make a few passes at at times as well he's an excellent screener he's regularly in the top of the league in screen assists although that's in part because utah runs the most pick and rolls in the nba but he is uh, a solid offensive player and then defensively i think what he's done on a per play basis this year i think he's a better defensive player than joel Embiid, better recognition better feet uh and close to if not the absolute same force that Embiid is uh protecting the rim and he's even shown some in individual defense too i mean he shut down anthony davis playing at center a few nights ago against the pelicans i mean he's really had uh i mean against pretty much everyone except you know maybe houston or golden state he's probably the best defensive player in the nba just because he he can stay with just about anyone that he needs to in conventional pick and roll defense and he can clean up so many messes that other teams and so you think about what he could be on teams with less stout perimeter defense he can he can help with that and like so many centers that we've seen in the past and a way to differentiate for me gobert and Nikola Jokic, who is in my next tier he's not my next player but he's in my next tier is that gobert's defense to me is better than Jokic's offense but it's pretty close but why he's ahead of him is because defense is more important than offense to me for a center and because Gobert is better on his weak side offense than Jokic is on his weak side yeah that makes a lot of sense I mean you just and the reason for that is you know if you have a bad defensive center you're almost always going to have a a bad defense and if you have a bad offensive center you can get offense in other places as I mean it certainly hurts but you can get offense in other places you can't get that defense in other places when the guy who's your last line of defense if he's failing all the time there's no one else who can make up for that defensively so uh, 
let's get into the tier three and demarcus is in this tier for me i'm sort of i mean obviously he's out for the year so it's not really fair to say okay who would you want for the rest of this season because he wouldn't be on the list at all he's not gonna play but just if you wanted to project what we think he'll be after returning from the achilles and where it would fit in here that's what i tried to do so he was at the bottom of this tier for me uh but my number four player and at the top of tier three which includes four players overall uh was al horford al horford is my number four as well i titled this tier almost where these guys are, are yeah these these group think center ratings oh they're, they're not going to stay the same for for very long but but <laughs> horford is a challenge because part of why he has looked so good is that he's such a perfect fit for what boston is doing he's defensively he can play power forward and center he can be a part of their offense without dominating his his usage is actually below 20 percent, and that's you know if you think about all the positions equally but that works yeah. which in some ways is a knock it is too, because but. boston could use a little bit more from him he's been an effective player and he's not consistently dominant enough to me to be in that next tier but on certain teams he can be incredibly valuable so for me that's why he's over Jokic, just because i like a guy at that who's a little bit more balanced and Jokic is his imbalance is on the side that it's a little bit more negative just because we do have these questions about how good a team can be defensively if he is their center yeah we do and for horford what he's done in terms of his three-point shooting since arriving in boston has really been a game changer because in that dho game you really got to get out on him he can space the floor at center and the versatility of his jump shot has really improved as well from three he's able to get those shots off quickly which was did not used to be the case for him he's still money for mid-range if they need him there and he can get into the post or put the ball on the floor and make the right decision i mean he's not really a plus option posting up against guys his size but if you get him in the post on a switch he can be effective and then defensively one of the smartest defenders in the nba has the feet to switch with most smalls i mean there's still a few that are going to beat him but and he's not incredibly explosive but he's a, a solid enough shot blocker he'll take charges and he's just the quarterback that even I mean, you might say that horford I and mean, because he's averaging like 13 points game now you know i'm sure there are plenty of people who are like how could he be this size averaging 13 a game demarcus averages you know 29 a game or whatever it was uh but i i would say that al horford might be the player in the nba for whom box score stats do the most injustice like he does the most stuff of any player in the nba that doesn't show up i mean whether it's spacing the floor whether it's switching defensively denying penetration whether it's just reversing the ball setting fantastic screens he's a great screen setter uh totally illegally of course but a great screen setter and all of that is the stuff that doesn't show up in conventional stat sheet that he is elite at and and that's why he's this high on both of our lists for those who are are questioning this one thing you could watch is the particularly the first quarter or the first half of that celtics warriors game where he was just everywhere and it didn't show up a lot in the stat sheet and they're a particularly hard team defensively for for they expose a lot of people and yeah he's out there like blocking kevin durant and steph curry or and clay thompson three-pointers in that first half like it was and so that's why he's over Jokic to me Jokic spectacular offensive player not the same guy he was last year for a couple different reasons some of that being Mike Malone going back to playing him with centers which I think is is just a huge mistake and that's actually toning down now that Plumlee got hurt and we kind of know the book on him to a point oh one other thing with Horford his defensive rebounding is a big concern then that's and and that's a that's a serious weak point and also part of the reason why he's to me he wasn't seriously considered for tier one because yes he is playing some power forward and that's certainly you know playing playing next to another big is going to lower your defensive rebound rate but he's just not a great defensive rebounder those hawks teams were not as good at defense 
offensive rebounding as you would have expected as well but they were still a great defense because there are other parts of that that are important yeah uh so yeah no Jokic was my number five as well uh at six I had Andre Drummond who to me has really come on defensively this season he's had the last few times I've watched him playing some of the best defense of his career really affecting things at the rim he's got the versatility and quick feeling he's one of he might be have the best hands and quickness in short areas of any center on this list because maybe unless you're going to go down to like kind of a Jordan Bell type of range because he really has and and this isn't a coverage that a lot of teams play as much anymore is being able to get up to the level of the ball in pick and roll get his hands on balls force guys to give it up get steals and then get back into the play with his superior speed and then around the rim he's just been more of a force uh fantastic defensive rebounder up until they made these trades he was basically the only guy in their team who ever got a defensive rebound uh and he's not doing as much of the deandre jordan hey get out of here this is my rebound when it's uncontested uh and then offensively completely changed the nature of his game this year the terrible post-ups have largely been excised uh that's helped his efficiency making the free throws has been enormous as well at a rate where he's not getting intentionally fouled anymore where he can be on the floor at the end of games and not have guys just like grab him as he goes to set a screen and put him on the foul line and then the passing that he's had from the elbows has been remarkable that's probably going to go down a little bit with the arrival of Blake Griffin but he was helping with his passing a very limited offensive team squeeze out points so and then the offensive rebounding remains you know one of the best if not the best in the NBA probably the second best behind Steven Adams at this point so all of that really I mean he's still I still have questions about his defensive intelligence about consistent effort level but he's made the type of strides this year that I think we've been waiting for him to make for a long time and maybe question that he could make that history of being burned before with him is why I have him in the same spot but I don't have him in the same tier and it's a lot like Victor Oladipo for me where if he does this for a whole year especially because if the Pistons make the playoffs I will absolutely have him in in tier two I or sorry in the next year because our tiers numbers are different wholeheartedly but I need to see a little bit more of it because last year I don't think he materially affected the Pistons defense as much as I hoped and that can be improvement that the young players still getting better the surrounding talent is different last year's Pistons team was such a disaster for portions of the year anyway so I'm just a little bit conservative with that I I try to always be in that way and one thing I want to say so so my tier two was only two guys and Cousins was originally there yeah Horford Horford and Jokic Jokic, right Cousins was originally there but with the uncertainty of what he's going to be after his Achilles injury he is in the next tier for me with Drummond and a few other guys yeah and Cousins you know where would he have been for you if if he were he would have been between Jokic and Drummond in the same tier with Jokic and Horford okay yeah that that makes sense let's talk Um, about Cousins now I think I think now's a good time to do it and he is such a phenomenally offensively offensively talented player and his defensive potential is certainly there I I mean you see certain elements of the way he moves and he could at certain points when he cares he can react well but he has a couple of bad habits that are at the point now where it concerns you about his reliability and it concerns you about his place on a successful team so his defensive effort and execution is certainly high on that list but also his propensity to just get completely out of control in terms of fouls taking bad shots all those kind of things I mean you're sitting there going well if he's yeah Yeah, exactly refs not getting back on so so if you're sitting there and going okay well well what are we going to get from him in a playoff series remember he has never played in the playoffs you you wouldn't be comfortable right a lot of these guys you kind of you kind of wonder about that we haven't seen much of them at the highest levels yet and so with that's a concern with Jokic as well um he complains the refs 
too but it's a concern with Jokic and Bede hasn't been in the playoffs Carl Towns Rudy Gobert has only played you know, basically like what eight games in the playoffs Drummond has it, some but not career. a ton of real like relevant information yeah he's he, he's, he's played four games they got swept Jokic hasn't been in the playoffs at all uh so I mean really out of like you know our top seven guys the only one that we've seen extensively in the playoffs is uh Al Horford you know so and it's tough to say I mean we're ranking these guys in the regular season and, and Horford he's had some disappointing playoff runs uh, to be sure uh but nonetheless I mean he's he's not a guy who defensively is just going to get exploited you know whereas when you see a guy at the highest level when teams have a chance to scout you that's when you really get an idea of what their weaknesses can be that just you know is the guy going to play harder and that's going to paper it over in the playoffs or a team's just going to like rip this guy apart so we just don't have a great feel for a lot of these guys you know maybe who knows Joel Embiid maybe teams just put him in high pick and roll with the shooter every time and his defensive value is neutralized you know Towns maybe he switches a lot in the playoffs and he's he's a lot better you know you never know necessarily what is going to change there so with Cousins the other the other part of it is just that he seems so much more comfortable and prefers to spend time offensively more on the perimeter than the interior even though he's such an undeniable offensive player and that's what makes him different for me why I had him below Jokic is that Jokic does a better job of being Nikola Jokic like he he uses what he does so much better than Cousins Cousins is still like their their efficiency numbers are still comparable which is just a a note of how insane DeMarcus Cousins is that he takes worse shots in many ways and still is that is that efficient but the defensive stuff and the unreliability those are are real concerns also and then why he's in this tier below a couple guys for me and and my next tier is because we don't know exactly what he's going to be and if it's even a five percent or a ten percent reduction and it could be more than that then that that you know that's what the margin is right now so it's it's going to be tough for him if he gets to be 100 percent i have no problems putting him back where he was but he's gonna have to prove it yeah and you expect i mean especially the defense not being in great shape a lot of his career that he improved this year in that regard the propensity to just hang on in the perimeter maybe take too many jump shots people might argue all of that and then he can struggle to finish around the rim a lot he can struggle to protect the rim all of that is uh simply going to be exacerbated by the achilles and you could just i mean you could see him coming back and just taking every shot and just not being able to hit him the way he did before the injury so uh, and so th- this might end up being too optimistic i mean I-, I could see him coming back and playing the same way he used to but just not being as effective and you know kind of looking like the center version of isaiah thomas this year um with similar yeah. defensive effort as well but worth noting by the way i mean this is we've gone through my top seven i forget exactly where we are on your list five of these seven guys shoot three-pointers and shoot them like very easily very comfortably as a big part of their games I mean, gobert and cousin and uh drummond are the only two that don't fall into that category so that's a pretty remarkable yeah, yeah, evolution we're through of six, so it's position. basically the same yeah okay so you so your tier is horford Jokic, drummond cousins yeah. is that right and that takes me through number seven and then i have a new tier uh with four guys in it afterwards but uh my number eight overall is uh steven adams of the oklahoma city thunder is having one of the best offensive rebounding seasons that we have ever seen so he would be seven for me above cousins that's basically okay. cousins is going to be eight i'll say that right now and yeah you know adams, i mean I, the more i think about it the more i think i'm like giving cousins just like too much benefit of the doubt here for coming back from this achilles like i probably have him too high let's talk a little bit about adams adams is in many ways closer to what the center position used to be and i think there's a lot of value to that the one big difference is that he hasn't been a great defensive rebounder though i i give him credit i think he's a good box out guy oh, yeah. you know I mean, it's not like as long the, as if the thunder you, haven't been a bad defensive rebounding team yeah it's just that he doesn't grab them yeah and with russell westbrook and now carmelo anthony like two of the bigger like rebound stealing hogs that we've had in the nba 
that that's been the case i mean adams just boxes out he doesn't care about getting the defensive rebound because you know he he's all about winning that's one thing that i really respect about him i respect his toughness he always plays hard his effort level is outstanding he's got pretty good quickness i mean the best of the best can can abuse him on switches but he he'll get out there pretty well to a great degree and uh you know yeah as you said they, they rebound really well when he's on the floor defensively so i have no concerns about that at all he also sets monster screens and enthusiastically so which is very important for oklahoma city's offense and any other team he could theoretically be on he doesn't play outside of himself offensively he he rolls hard he finishes if the opportunity is there but he doesn't really force it too much that leads to him having a high efficiency on a low usage even though he's not that dunk everything type guy like deandre is or like clint capella can be yeah. at moments like it, it's a very different thing for him but he, he can still he, get he up for an alley-oop here and there sure he can he's just not at their at their level of, of finisher to me I, I also like that he can post up at times against smaller players he actually has one of the better spin moves in the league that quick baseline spin move his floater game has improved as well and then one of the things that he does that maybe Gortat is the only other player in the league that I've seen do much of this is his screening of his own man screening the help uh, to allow Russell Westbrook the chemistry that he and Westbrook have where Westbrook will start a drive Adams will see that he's gotten past and instead of trying to screen the guy that Westbrook is being guarded by he'll just turn around and screen his own man so he can't help and Westbrook will get a lap it's a lot of Westbrook's wide open layups at the rim if you go back and look like that's the reason so he's a very intelligent player plays hard and then the his ability to basically make Oklahoma City one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the NBA by himself and then everyone else just gets back on defense so that to get that double which we saw against the Warriors when they blew them out uh earlier this week as we record this to be able to offensive rebound and also get back in transition defense as a team is a great advantage we lose track of it sometimes but he's also younger than some people think just because he's been around for a while this is his age 24 season he'll turn 25 in the offseason so it's reasonable to think that he can improve from here or be at this level for a while and that's value as well it's it doesn't really fit in the criteria but it's something that we should note uh, so he was your seven. Then you had, you had cousins. Yeah, I had cousins at him. eight. So yeah. so we're at nine now. Uh, who'd you have there? So this was a real challenge for me. I had DeAndre Jordan here because Jordan is, is trying to kind of make. It, it, I'm trying to get a read on exactly what he is now because they the team has changed over so much. Not only with just Chris Paul being gone, but the support talent and all that kind of stuff. And he hasn't been to me nearly as solid defensively. He was always overrated there, probably thanks to Doc. Because also because he's a shot blocker and a rebounder and those two things since they can be quantified by counting stats generally look very good but he is so good at what at what he focuses on and you can you can see how that can how that can be implemented and so even though to me he isn't and at least this year hasn't been what he was the last couple he's still an incredibly valuable player yeah I, I agree with you I mean I think they're just if you're gonna inject all these guys with a magic potion that could make them play at like maximum effort level all the time he'd be way up higher on this list and when he's really engaged protecting the rim hitting the offensive glass cleaning up the defensive boards he can really be outstanding but there's just too many times when he just doesn't rotate he doesn't jump defensively a Steph Curry comes up his man Zaza Pachulia or someone will set a screen and DeAndre will just be chilling in the paint having lost concentration and give up a three you'll see plays like that just too often like too many errors too many inconsistencies with him and then offensively he too actually deserves a lot of credit for having improved his free throws this year to at least you know all right we're not going to follow this guy intentionally all the time levels but he's not really much of a pass 
passer you know he doesn't have the type of effect in like the dho game that someone like drummond does i mean you know part of that's that the clippers offense it doesn't do that as much um he is not really capable of even doing the like take one dribble and make a pass type of plays you know if the ball handler gets trapped on the pick and roll which like a drummond or a, a gobert can do uh posting up really just doesn't have the ability to do that maybe he'll get right under the rim every once in a while and then they'll just follow him uh, obviously maybe if not the best one of the two or three best lob catching centers in nba history but it's tough for him to ramp up the usage in any way and i've never been incredibly impressed by his screening ability his offensive intelligence i think that there are a lot of times when he's not able to find the seam to get the pass underneath sometimes so i don't know that he has like the greatest feel for the game in the world but i mean the the gravity that he has is undeniable it's an underrated offensive center so that's i had him at number nine as well and then uh number 10 who i really struggled with because i think clint capella has been better than him this year and clint capella you can probably argue at this point has been a better offensive player this year but it's just the situation that capella is in is just so incredibly perfect that i just don't know whether it would translate outside of there even if he is someone who uh has been able to switch more he's got more defensive versatility and i know you love capella so i want to hear what you have to say about him and then also capella really can't play more than 30 minutes a game just due to i forget whether it's like asthma issues or something but he like he doesn't play as many minutes and has more of an injury history although it's not a huge one than jordan who never ever misses time except for like the one sprained ankle that he had this year another consideration for capella who is actually the center leader in per right now 25.52 and a lot of that is just the ridiculous offensive year that he's having but also his one of his concerns for me has been his defensive rebounding over the course of his career he's been more in the low to mid 20s this year he's at 33 percent for whatever reason and so i need to see if that's real because that's more it's getting closer to deandre jordan territory and i don't believe that yet with him and with capella i always have trouble as much as i like him and i've liked him since he was a draft prospect because i think he's good at, at contesting shots blocking shots and still getting defensive rebounds which is the double that made me fall in love with gobert too originally and capella he i, I think he has he has craft but he doesn't have a ton of it like of these limited guys i like the way that he uses what he has and i actually like that yeah. more than deandre because his touch around the rim is very underrated and his footwork has gotten better too and he's improved as a free throw shooter as well though not nearly to the degree of the other guys he's up to 59 percent now but he was at 53 last year 48 percent for his career so we have to really see how that goes i mean it's it's crazy to remember that first year when he barely played for the rockets he only made 17 percent of his free throws but i wouldn't really weigh that in too much because it was not very many of them but capella like the, the the parallels with deandre are there in terms of a guy who catches the ball makes the makes the quick thing and 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 finishes but doesn't really do a whole lot else i actually also like capella better as a passer so i'm ready to move capella ahead of deandre and i'm guessing that if the playoff run goes that way i'll do it but i need to see him in that chamber to see really what this is and it's not necessarily like oh he has to dominate whoever's in front of him but can he hold his own can he be a part of that and also capella if we're talking about the playoffs though we're focusing on the regular season in this his minute limitations aren't as big of a deal because now we're getting to the point where you want to play a lot of small ball centers like with houston so if he can play 20 to 25 minutes a game so be it you can use other guys more yeah and, and worth noting that we're kind of the point of these rankings at least for me is okay you know if you just place this guy on an average team you know how much is he going to boost his team's performance so that is a concern there i mean you're thinking if you're you've got a guy who is the number 10 center in the nba you want him playing 38 minutes a game in the playoffs right so if he can handle it sure especially 
if they're good enough to. Yeah. Yeah. Though um, this is right around yeah. where the threshold, and that says something about where the center position is going. This is yeah. around the threshold yeah. where you'd rather play a uh, not not the elite guys because obviously you know you'd rather have Draymond Green at center than a lot of these guys. But this is around the point where you start to have the conversation, which is a big statement in terms of where the center position is. Yeah. The the conversation of all right, are we better off playing small for part of the year? And I think you know if you look if you look at just this you know we're at ten now. My number eleven uh, fit, rounding out tier four is going to be Marcus Gasol. Uh, although this is another one where I'm worrying that maybe I'm just giving too much to him on reputation. Uh, his three point shooting, his distributing has been good. His defense has just been horrendous this year compared to the levels he used to be at. He's older. Maybe that's gone. Maybe it's just he's got to do so much offensively that he just can't be the defensive player that he was. So you don't know. Maybe if you were on another team with some more scoring threats, it'd be a little bit different. But I still think he's a fabulous offensive player. And if he had more around him, we might still be appreciating him more but or we could just say well you know he's 33 now he's, he's getting pretty close to being done but the fact that he spaces the floor as well is pretty nice and so that's why i had him but yeah i mean I, that's what we're getting to here is you know all these wing guys like they're gonna play 35 minutes a game in the playoffs whereas big men just naturally can't play as many minutes but you also just want to bring in other guys as well uh to give a different look than these traditional center my tier with drum with drummond adams cousins all that did not include marcus all Gasol, it, I just I'm worried about the defense with him, and yeah. I titled. I totally understand. I, that. I titled my that tier the tier that we just finished for me. I titled it a little queasy, and then this one originally was called a little more queasy because it's just guys that I'm not uncomfortable. I'm I'm not comfortable with, and I started that with the guy who's probably the ultimate in the I don't know how to feel about them, and that's Hassan Whiteside because Hassan Whiteside, you see him at certain moments, and you go, oh my god, like there were moments of the Bucks game, which which was on on Friday before we recorded this, where you go, he's undeniable. Like they, they can't really do anything with him. And the Bucks are a team that plays traditional fives. You know, he was beasting on John Henson a fair portion of that game. But then you have these moments going, well, is Miami better with him off the floor? And that's what's really crazy with Whiteside. He's... Yeah, Eric Spolstra has those moments yes, he where does. he asks himself that question and, and, and answers yes a, a fair amount of the time. And so that's why I think he's a good representation of this threshold because he's efficient. I think he takes, I think he, he's a black hole. I mean, I've, I've the, the Whiteside assist thing is something that I've fixated on for about three years now. Now. And it's surreal when you think about just just the level of, of zoned in that he can be in that. And defensively, yeah, he's real high in defensive RPM, and Miami has a good defense. But I'm still personally not convinced that he is the reason why their defense is so good. They have just they have a bunch of guys that battle on the perimeter, and all. And I see a lot. I see a lot of other reasons. He certainly helps at moments, but the way that he sometimes chases blocks, the way that he, he sometimes gets in foul trouble, he's yeah. uh, never ever leaves the paint under any circumstances yeah. defensively him this year assuming Miami makes the playoffs I, I think it'll be a, a good clarification with him and also where the NBA is going but god I had so much trouble with him yeah I agree with you and, and worth noting too although he's had a lot of nagging injuries in his career that he's not necessarily healthy right now he's got that big ass knee brace on missed time earlier has said that he is not a hundred percent so maybe that's worth noting but we can also if we're saying hey for the rest of the season I don't know that we can expect him to really improve much from a health standpoint yeah I mean I had him at the top of this next year, which I didn't necessarily rank in terms of numbers, but I, I kind of entitled this one of just solid starters who have some two-way value. Um, and it, that's a, a generalization. So I had Whiteside at the top of that tier as well. I mean, that's another one where it's like, eh, you know, really, you know, it, it's he's not even closing games. He's Is he really making winning plays? You know, I know he has the defensive RPM aspect, which made me feel a little bit better about him because they have not been as good with him uh, on the floor defensively a lot. Um, another 
two guys that followed Whiteside for me, and this is again rough ordering at this point. Uh, for this is what is my tier five, but this is this is basically like guys like twelve through twenty-two in the NBA here. Uh, but at the top, towards the top of this tier, two guys I think are very underrated at this point, and that's Derek Favors and Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol, I had I had some trouble with, and I so I got into this moment thinking about him and Mark, who I actually have back to back in this, and Pau has had the better season, but he's in a way better situation because the Spurs sure. know what to do with those guys they're actually competing the surrounding talent is makes makes more sense with him they're putting him in a sensible role so i think mark is the better player still but pal is having the better season because he's in the better spot but yeah it's i mean with both those guys yeah. and, and he's playing fewer minutes yeah. he's not even being asked to close games most of the time but yeah on a per minute basis i mean he, he's kind of starting to transition soon i think into the realm of guys who are i have much lower here like nene and david west of guys who you know obviously are old and they can't play as many minutes but still are probably superior on a per minute basis to a lot of guys who are are above them but Pau Gasol is by far allowing the lowest percentage of shots at the rim to be converted of anyone in the NBA and he's been perfect in the Spurs system where you can just hang out under the rim and block shots against a lot of teams and the Spurs are still the, what the number two defense in the NBA with no Leonard and Danny Green hobbled for a lot of the year I mean Gasol deserves a, a decent amount of credit for that he does and I think Gasol could end up being one of those models for just where guys like him go and we've wondered about this with Greg Monroe and lots of other players and and Gasol Powell is so much more talented than a lot of those guys will end up being you know like he's going from Hall of Fame place down to where he is right now and I I think that's a good thing you know I think it'll be good for the league but you know you appreciate it for what it is and Derek Favors is interesting because I had him I had him just below the Gasol brothers and part of it is just because I don't have a good feel yet for how he is as a rim protector because he gets so many of his minutes with Gobert he's bad and he's and bad. so and also like, I, I mean I think like pretty much any time that he has been asked to be the center in the last like four or five years he he has not been adequate as a rim protector but he could move his feet on the on the perimeter better than a lot of these guys too and also if you played him at the five with more force spacing around him as the as the jazz did for portions of this year especially when gobert had his more extended absence yeah. their offense looked and look what favors did in the in the playoffs last true. year like he was outstanding in that series against the clippers i mean he, he was putting up you know high teens points per game he's one of the best finishers he can do a, a little thing about the drill he's actually hitting a corner three here and there now too uh so no i i think he's very you know he'd be pretty close to the top of this list outside of like the guys that you really like run stuff through uh as far as just like an offensive center yeah i'm good with that and we're in this part of our this list where nobody's perfect but guys you know it's kind of yeah. are you more comfortable with their strengths and their weaknesses and something i wanted to go take a little break to talk about is well here before we take a little break to talk about sure. that hold that thought let's take a little break to talk uh, about blue apron which because i'm on vacation right now i cannot eat blue apron which is a shame because i really uh, enjoy doing it blue apron is a food delivery service in fact the leading meal kit delivery service in the u.s so what they do is they deliver fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door and what that does is it saves you a trip to the store it saves you a bunch of money compared to buying all of the ingredients for an equivalent meal because everything's portioned out perfectly there's no food waste which is something that's uh, definitely a concern i've really enjoyed a lot of their asian stuff they really introduce you to flavors from all over the world middle eastern stuff uh, as well has been fantastic or they'll have basics we had these uh pimento cheeseburgers which were awesome last month and it's just really nice to cook at home as a family sit down uh, as a family or even you know if you have roommates uh, to do it that way too just have one day where you're sitting around uh, cooking together eating together it, it makes a difference in the relationship 
relationships with the people that you live with and i mean maybe some of you guys are amazing cooks uh, i'm not so i cooked some of the best meals i've ever cooked in my life uh, with the help uh, of blue apron the way to get started with them go to blueapron.com slash cap space easy to remember that slash cap space url and that'll get you 30 dollars off your first order and of course let them know that you came from us with that slash cap space url once again go check out the menu i mean that's the number one thing if you're skeptical about it just go to that blueapron.com slash cap space link and they'll show you all the meals that they have coming up and i'm guessing that you'll probably be impressed by how good a lot of them sound blueapron.com slash cap space blue apron a better way to cook okay so what point were you going to make before we went to break there i'll wait until we finish this tier because i realized that it'll actually get more relevant when we talk about a couple more guys but i'll say my next guy it was actually the end of my tier i i, I drew i felt like i had to draw a line somewhere and so i'm drawing a line with miles turner turner is yeah such a talented offensive player i mean he has he can really swing games i was watching i'm trying to remember who the pacers came back not 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 the celtics game it was the game before that and he's just so hard for centers to handle at this point and defensively he needs to get a lot better like he has the potential to move to either the top of this tier or even into the next tier but he chases blocks too often and he's not a good defensive rebounder and so i wonder about how good yeah. the pacers and his, his pick and roll defense is, is, it's is not as good as it should be and so yeah and, and he can't he doesn't really have the ability to switch out on the perimeter that's not really so sense. you have the kind of Jokic-esque concern of how good can a defense with him as the primary player be and so do you need to play somebody like Taj Gibson next to him or something at some point because then you're giving up a lot offensively compared to what they get with that but still so talented and I think there there are ways that you could use him for teams that you could that you would have want him on the floor and that's kind of the the why the reason I made the separation between him and some of the other guys is is the idea of comfort it's like okay you put him out there you know that it's not perfect but you feel okay about it if you, you and that's a good place to be especially right now and also I think he's kind of the last of this group where even in a playoff series I think you want to give him like you know mid to high 20s and minutes if, if he's if he's game and he, he can actually do that where some of the other guys it's going to be a little bit like there there are times that they'll get played off the floor more frequently than I feel like with Turner yeah Turner the Pacers have probably been a little bit better with Sabonis at center with the starters than with him the shot blocking he is a, a great pure shot blocker as you mentioned he has some offensive limitations too though he's not really a guy who can work and, and make a great decision once he catches in pick and roll if his initial shot is taken away in the post he's pretty much limited to the even on a switch catch the ball at 15 feet and then turn over his right shoulder and just try to shoot over the guy which is you know it's just not going to be an efficient shot unless you're Dirk Nowitzki even Kristaps Porzingis can't be that efficient on those shots and he just his offensive rebounding is negligible just not a great threat as a role guy also his finishing around the rim if he can't get a dunk is limited so that's another concern for him and just the advanced stats don't like him he's a negative rpm this season and so you'd be hard pressed to find statistical evidence that he's been that effective i do think the shooting is coming along in pick and pop as a three-point shooter and we saw him completely destroy dwight howard a couple weeks ago these centers who don't want to come out of the paint can't guard it but i mean you know he'll have games where he never takes a shot inside the paint or he'll take one or two and that's uh that's concerning i think he's had a player who has such clear strengths and weaknesses on both ends i mean there are things he's great at offensively some things he's really bad at offensively and then even more so defensively some things i guess one thing shot blocking that he's great at and then the rest of the stuff you know he's mediocre to blow ever okay so I'll, I'll, I'll... so i think it, it, in some ways i i kind of felt bad about having him as high as i did because they're just i mean you look at some of the things that he can do and you're like oh yeah this guy's pretty high but like you just we have not seen statistical evidence in his career 
that he's. It that might effective. not be fair that I trust him more than some of the guys who are a little bit lower on this list, like Yusuf yeah. Nurkic or. Like, yeah, and you've always you've always been higher. On I had him over me, Porzingis I, you know, as a draft prospect. Around, yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I had him around you know number fifteen in the NBA, so uh, that that might be too high. For okay, him, so frankly. so then for you, who else is kind of in this area? Because I I have a little bit of a line, but it's the it's the most faint line that I felt comfortable drawing. I just didn't want a group that was so big that it was unwieldy yeah i mean this is basically almost like every other established starting center in the nba and, and i did kind of cut it off a little bit into another tier but I, even that seems very arbitrary to me and what i tried to do is just look at it as like all right who are the guys that you can say are at least average on both ends of the floor and so you know but even even those guys you wonder about right like dwight howard i had in here you of course wonder about his locker room influence and and his inability to, to get out of the paint but he's still a good rim protector he's still a guy who, who can get on the offensive glass he'll, he'll control the defensive glass i mean i guess maybe you could say he's average on both ends uh in the right circumstance i mean because now we're also getting into like well you know what's the matchup for the guys right like what is their versatility how often can they stay on the floor if they're not going up against another traditional center that becomes difficult uh you know robin lopez would probably also be in this area for me i think kelly olenic is underrated although i'm probably that's more skewing towards offense than defense and then i had four guys here at the bottom of this tier that will probably be a little controversial but the reason that i like all these guys is i just think they have more positional versatility and can stay on the floor more while still doing some decent things on both ends so uh Jakob Pertl and bam Adebayo, I, I may be early on both of those guys uh in perhaps the same sense that i've been a little late on some of these guys we were talking about earlier but i think both of those guys are just you know excellent rim rollers out bio actually has been like making passes out of the post uh he's not a great rim protector yet uh as a help defender but his switching has been remarkable he plays really hard he's just a huge physical force as well uh i mean we i haven't seen really hardly anyone get the better of him no matter who it is on a switch defensively uh, all season and then purtle as well has a lot of ability to get on the offensive glass run in transition he's a big part of what they do on that second unit he's a guy that you just you don't know where those guys could be it could be you know they just get in the playoffs and they fuck up and get into foul trouble and then they're just done and you know they don't have the experience but uh so i could be overrating them but i think just their versatility and their mobility and the force and effort that they play with can trump a, a lot of their more skilled uh compatriots who i have a little bit below them who may not have uh, the type of athleticism that they do i'm a little bit more cautious with bam i've loved what i've seen but i just want to see more with purtle i mean this is going to get into an interesting conversation which is is he a better center right now for the toronto raptors than valanchunas is and my answer is yes i think so too yeah i i, I mean it's that seems i, I no, wouldn't it's say close. I have me, the... but maybe there's a yeah maybe there's a uh, okay few matchups. so um, i my tier so my next tier do you have anybody else in this before you move on because my next year because i drew i just drew an extra line is very similar to this but i want to see who you have before i talk about who's different yeah yeah well i mean this is two other controversial ones and it's cody zeller and tristan thompson oh okay you have zeller here that that's something i wanted to talk about okay tristan thompson just has not been in shape this year i think that calf injury really bothered him uh, i think he's pretty worn out after these long playoff runs the last few years so a lot of this is based on just what he was able to do going back even to like the 2016 playoff you know if he were performing at that level you know i think he's right smack in the middle of this tier just with his offensive rebounding and, and his ability to switch and, and he's actually not a horrible finisher around the rim he's got some some nice touch with either hand obviously in 
what's been such a tire fire for the Cavs. Uh, the defense has not been there this year. He has not played well. They had to bring in Larry Nance, I think, in part because he's just played so poorly this year. So maybe he just never gets back to that level. But just because of what I think he can be defensively uh, and the level that we see him get to, maybe it's overrating him because, you know, against he was just so effective against some of these teams that uh, where you have to switch out in the perimeter. But uh, I, I still had him in there just, uh, again, tough to differentiate. But he, he provides an element defensively that a lot of these guys don't. And Zeller, too, a uh, very underrated offensive player, one of the best screeners and rim rollers in the NBA, runs the floor as hard as any center. And the health is certainly a concern, you know, as he's just coming back from this meniscus. Uh, but uh, I think his mobility defensively protects the rim. They've uh, had no problems defensive rebounding when he's been out there in his career. Unclear if he can play that many minutes. So I, I certainly would understand if people are like, why do you have these guys uh, that high? But I, I think that they provide elements that maybe some of the guys below them can't uh, in a modern sense. Here's the Cody Zeller stat that I wanted to bring up. So last year, he was an, an RPM darling. He was a, a very effective player. Last year, him being out basically killed yeah. their season. And, and this year, he has to play all of his minutes with Frank Kimmel. He played 89% <laughs> of his minutes last year with Kemba Walker, 36% this year. Yeah. I think at 100%, he's a better player than Dwight Howard. And Dwight has had a nice year, and he's put in the situation. You could make an argument that Dwight without Kemba would be way more disastrous than Zeller without him. So as a value proposition, there are elements of that that make sense. But he's been hurt by this absolute just train wreck of, of a bench. And Zeller, it's also weird because his usage rate is low because he's more of a complimentary player. It's just that there's nobody else to really compliment him on this second unit with that the Hornets are running. Yeah, I mean, it, it, being a great screener doesn't help when you're setting a screen for Michael Carter-Williams and they just go under every single time. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think he's someone who might be underrated at this oh, let, point. Let me, but, sorry, yeah, then, let me talk yeah. about the guy. So I have, I have two guys in this tier that you didn't. And so I draw in the separation, but yeah. people get confused. And, and, and we're kind of we're kind of around what? Like around the yeah, 20th, something in like that range. fifth best players where we are. And right, these right are both now. guys that I'm not super comfortable with, but at the same point, you know, it's like, so Nurkic, I wonder how much credit he deserves for the way that the Blazers have defended this year. I mean, a lot of that is system, but, you know, teams aren't shooting well at the rim and he's an inconsistent, albeit potent at moments, offensive player. Not overall this year. I mean, that's been one of the interesting concerns is like his true shooting percentage is uh, 516, which is not great for... That's that is that's not not great. That is horrendous for a center who's playing with uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I mean, he, he's been a big reason why I think they've disappointed, uh, although certainly there hasn't been as much space for him as there was last year, but nonetheless... And then the other guy uh, who rough. is having a better year, but again, the context I, I mentioned it before is Valanchunas. Valanchunas, it's, he's unspectacular in certain ways because we're so comfortable with what he does well, but I think he fits in this kind of like Cody Zeller type of area. He's also shooting some threes now and actually making some. Not enough yet, like some of his teammates, where I'm not buying it as being a part of who he is now. And also, he's been a very good defensive rebounder for a while now. And so I, I like that part of his game. So these are all imperfect players. Nobody's going to, you know, if everybody, if anybody checked all the boxes, they'd be way higher. But I, I think they're in this tier for me. Yeah, I had Nurkic and Valanciunas at the top of this next tier. Um, oh, oh, wait. Just as guys that i don't really Did, see i'm trying to remember because we didn't talk about him did you have robin lopez already because i haven't he's he's in my next year okay because yeah. we didn't talk about him at all yeah i i mentioned him as being a little bit just as like being a guy who could be average on both ends although again a, a guy who has some limitation uh, but i think he's he's a little bit better defensively than like you know a valentunas to me uh his offensive rebounding still m- makes a difference he's another good good screen setter but certainly i mean you know you could make the argument that nurkic is better than lopez but Lo- 
Lopez just you know knows his role a little bit better than Nurkic I think that's a problem I think Nurkic's attitude is a little bit of a problem as well um but yeah I mean a lot of uh, this next year was interesting okay well well, actually before we get to the next year I want to make the money point I was going to make before look at this group and think about the variance in terms of their current contracts and their next contracts so Hassan Whiteside is getting his max and I have no idea where his next contract is going to be Zeller's more in the like low teens area Kelly Olynyk, you had this year I had him in the next one he got paid I think like 15 million this year and then you have guys on the rookie scale contracts so there's just this is the area where I would be very 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 reluctant to pay guys yeah and, and that was the point that we made I think at the outside of like you know I've got Aaron Baines for example at like you know the number he's like in like the mid 30s like for me could even be a little bit lower than that you know or even a Zaza Pachulia or John Henson or Kyle O'Quinn even someone like Alex Len who you know I think if he got into a better system could be okay or Costa Kufos I mean those are all guys who if you had a decent team around them they could just be a starting center for you you know and so why and yeah there's a little bit of a drop off between those guys and like a Robin Lopez or a Marching Gortat or some of these other guys that, that you mentioned but it's like would you rather have Costa Kufos and a wing that you paid 20 million dollars for or would you rather have you know a Robin Lopez and a wing that you paid like 10 million dollars you know I think I think there's just the amount of money that you pay at other positions just gets you more of a delta than it than it does here so uh, that's uh, one of the big lessons to take from this uh, for me and uh you know so if we want to get into the rest of this list i mean that i kind of saw, saw this the rest of this is like i know guys who probably can start for you uh but have limitations on either end so i, I had nurkic down there a lot because of his inefficiency and the attitude issues i think he has been good defensively this year but not a guy you look at as like a defensive stalwart uh valentunas brooke lopez uh marching gortat was in this range for me get down to dirk Nowitzki in this range for me as well um mason Plumley is probably towards the, the lower end of this range as well um nikola vucevic is at the very very lower end of this range I, i'll say the three guys that i had the hardest time ranking in this next year though were willie collie stein jordan bell and jared allen the sample on those guys for all three of them is a little bit weird because collie stein those first couple years in sack it didn't look like he'd figured anything out but he has been good this year but he's been playing next to another big for the most part i've really liked what we've seen from jared well, allen though uh, we, we've never seen collie stein get a chance to play i mean maybe a little bit with tolliver last year but then you know cousins was still there too right so we've never really seen collie stein get a chance to play as like a rim running center and then a switch guy i mean his potential in that game where they beat the warriors at oracle granted curry and durant didn't play in that one but you saw he dominated offensively uh with his ability around the rim and then his ability to switch defensively was impressive but he also just takes a lot of dumb shots he thinks that he's gonna be you know this like great offensive engine score type of guy you know doesn't seem to be the most engaged in the locker room but still a guy who has a lot of potential and you just wonder what he would look like on a real team one guy i don't think i've heard you mention that i really like in this area i actually have him towards the top of this year which is a little bit because i had nurkic and valentinus ahead so it's a little different than yours is Dwayne deadman deadman is imperfect but i trust him more defensively than a lot of the guys on this list and offensively he doesn't he doesn't screw you too much he's not great he's not going to be you know gangbusters and but in this kind of like fringe starter heavy backup role i I feel more comfortable with him there than a lot of these guys and he's made some strides with the jumpers uh, this year as well um yeah this is i mean he's another guy who you know whether it was that illness or or who knows just for whatever reason just was inexplicably out of the spurs 
rotation last year and they ended up doing just fine without him so yeah i mean i, I would have him kind of in like you know the th- the high 30s or, or mid 30s i would say i mean i'd have him below maybe like a mason Plumley. um and then you also get into like the really good one-way guys here too like sabonis dirk whom we mentioned ennis Cantor, greg monroe vucevic whom we mentioned like those guys fall fall into this category too um but you know what do you think about jordan bell and jared allen i mean other guys we have not seen a ton from but kind of seem like you know those guys could be in the sort of position i was talking about with pertle and bam out of bio um pretty soon here but bell just hasn't played enough uh, makes some mistakes he's very slight as well i think to the point where that can be he's going to really struggle to match up against a lot of centers in the post and they'd have to double and then jared allen you know has been the best center on the nets this year but uh, also and has made some strides but again you haven't seen him on a real team uh, really playing any kind of high leverage stuff but i, I a guy whose potential uh, i love one big thing that works to those guys benefits is that they already fit in with the idea of a center who plays fewer minutes and just plays really hard i, I think they can do that better right. than somebody like marcin gortat gortat's a way more talented player than those guys are but with where the league is going i think that you can make that work and i would you mentioned gortat right he's in this tier for you he's in this tier for me for sure yeah okay yeah and yeah. so yeah so and, and this tier this is all you know from guys who are like 23 to 35 and the line between these guys and the ones below is very it's tough i mean i i had them just sitting there going like yeah there are guys that i like better and guys that i like worse here and so yeah those yeah and a lot of it is just simply like you know ennis Cantor just happens to be starting for the knicks this year because he's on the knicks you know whereas like if it were ed davis were on the warriors he would probably be their starting center you know as opposed to saza pachulia and he might do a better job than saza pachulia but it's just pachulia is a quote-unquote starter even though he gets the keith bogans every night and, and ed davis doesn't but ed davis might be a better player so i mean there's just a lot of the point we keep making is there's so much interchangeability in the, this range and so for these guys. a point that i would make for general managers or fans of teams is the reason that you would pay guys above so what i had is my tier five so that was the one with uh zeller and nurkic and dwight the only reason to pay, really pay guys up there or below is if you think there's a very real chance that they can that they can get above that because the interchangeability of players in that and, and that extends here and think also about the assets that were given up or whatever to get some of these players so jordan bell was a second round pick this year jared allen was a late first sabonis was a part of the paul george trade how much of how important he was in the paul george trade is an open question so you can find guys like this that's not to say every big man drafted in the late first or early second is going to be this type of guy but there is that potential to reach this area without expending you know a lottery pick on somebody like that here's another way of of thinking about this how many teams in the nba right now would you say just looking at their center position where you said hey you know what if they had good talent around these guys and they were actually trying to win like their center position isn't good enough you're just like hey these guys got to upgrade at center like the center position is just killing them like what teams fall into that category for you i would say maybe like brooklyn who else milwaukee yeah i would definitely have milwaukee in that just because yeah but but even then you know henson's been playing better with the the switch i think uh the, Baker, the lakers more out of him. the lakers would really Zeller be helped now. by better center play yeah they could play Giannis at center yeah yeah the lakers i mean but they've played julius randall there they've got lopez has been okay um they got channing fry now he, he could be a, the hawks a totally when they were when they were center. less than full strength were certainly there but that's not fair because their guys were hurt the yeah. suns um eh, yeah yeah i mean alex len and tyson chandler that's kind of on the borderline you wonder what those guys would look like if they actually had some talent around them i don't think they've gotten great they got alan williams too actually he's going to come back at some point presumably um 
We haven't mentioned the name Rashawn yeah. Holmes and Amir Johnson. I mean, those are two guys that, like, I mean, the magic probably sure. uh, could and, be and a little better. About, also, we haven't mentioned Dallas, and Dallas hasn't, you know, depending on how, how yeah. Dirk is quantified in all this, we're counting him as a center. Like, they could, I think a little talent could go a long way, and a lot of that is credit to Rick Carlisle, but but they've they've done a really nice job with imperfect guys. Yeah, and they've got Dwight Powell, who we didn't wouldn't rank as a mm-hmm. center. He plays center. Yeah, and Solomon Mitchell's had a nice year, too. This year? Yeah. No, I mean, so, like, that Dallas is a perfect example of i mean how much money powell okay he's making nine million maybe a little overpaid again he's been good uh you got maxi kleba who has been effective at times he's making the minimum measure he's making the minimum nerland's noel is uh, on a four million dollar a year deal uh and hasn't even really contributed dirk is making five million might be worth a little more than that but probably not a ton more but like yeah you can't say that like that center has been killing the mavericks this year and they don't have much in the way of resources invested there the warriors are another team right that just you know, they get enough out of the center position um so yeah i mean it's uh there are not many teams maybe backup center with the grizz uh now that brandon wright is gone deontay davis and eh, you know it's not a good great. example of the not every center taken in the late first early second is going to be a great player or a rotation guy well oh but that's that's another interesting one too is look how many of these guys not only in terms of how much money they're making now and how they're acquired in the nba but just were pretty low draft picks you know what i mean i think you can get decent centers in the teens in the 20s uh if you have a guy who has some decent athleticism and also look at the so i'm going back i just went off the top of my head to the 2015 draft there were well let's count porzingis as a four because that's what we did in this exercise there were five centers depending on how we count kaminsky taken in the first 11 picks of that draft towns made this list high turner was you know kind of in that still still in a decent tier like i think that's definitely a good pick for them okafor is a fringe rotation guy collie stein is barely on this list and then kaminsky even if he counted as a center wouldn't be on this yeah and that's i mean whether it's in the draft or whether it's in free agency if you're going to commit big and i think especially in free agency too it's the years as well you know as you always say but if you're going to commit a large number of years at eight figures per season or even a guy like kufos right like he was eight million a year for four years you know that was that's that's way too much for him you know i mean they've gotten maybe slightly above replacement level but replacement level is higher at the center position than anywhere else uh especially given the ability to move guys over from other positions so yeah i mean if you're drafting a guy high who's a center or you're making an eight-figure multi-year commitment in free agency to a guy who's a center you damn well better be sure that he's got the ability to be special like i want if it's not a guy that we think could be on the top 10 of this list i mean my, my general a guy that you would want playing more than 25 minutes a game that you see him as that kind of player do not make that commitment because you can get 80 percent of that for a very small uh and that's also true in terms of trading for guys i mean so many of these guys have long-term contracts already so like i wouldn't be sitting there going oh we can get tristan thompson you know look he's making you know like 15 he's making like 18 million a year at this point like all these guys and the the sheer volume of contracts right now the market correction on this is going to take probably four years just because of how long these guys are already getting paid and teams would like you could just you could take one of these guys in a salary dump and then you could get an asset in return and that might even be better in certain circumstances so it's going to be very interesting some of the free agents some of these guys who are free coming up here uh Yusuf Nurkic is one of them right like I mean to me I'm just not interested in giving him like I, I don't want to give him four years and I wouldn't really
really want to give him more than like 10 million a year and even that could end up being a lot right i mean you can just look at it's just the opportunity cost right like think of what else portland could be doing if they try to could use like their full mid-level on a wing instead of having to re-sign nurkic and then just all right you got zach collins maybe uh you could bring back ed davis or it's just a lot of things that, that would be available um the restricted free agency of clint capella will be absolutely fascinating that's i know you're locked in on that one i am and restricted free agency is such a a messed up thing in general but for these type of guys it's really going to be is anybody willing to do the auto porter alan crab type thing and say this is our guy even if we don't get him this is a worthwhile investment and one other point that i want to make with this because you and i haven't focused on the draft so we can't add in our own evaluation from what i have heard this year's draft is loaded in centers too and that no matter what it affects the supply and the playing time however how many of those guys move and affect this list we'll we'll have to wait and so that affects how you think about these centers and the resources that you do because if they're you know if there's a guy that portland can take with their first round pick then that's an an even stronger reason like let's say you know with a late lottery pick or even zach collins who they took last year like it's such just don't pay these guys just really really don't pay these guys yeah which is too bad because these are guys who work hard on their games they're skilled but yeah it's it's a resource allocation that's that's what this is and scarcity matters it's like the running back position in football almost mm-hmm. at this point where it's it's really important but there are so many guys that can do it and you can use them in different ways and i'm really a big fan unless you know exactly what you want from your center of getting some different guys and then mixing and matching as the situation presents itself i've enjoyed team there are some teams that can even do that with their backup centers they have one guy who makes more sense against certain teams and another guy like boban has been used in this way at certain moments in time and you talked about Quinn capella being an interesting one the other guy that i think is maybe the most challenging guy to predict in all of this is favors because what he wants what another team wants who is going to say that he's there and because he's unrestricted as opposed to all these other guys that are restricted but he's still young like maybe a team would say hey we'd rather have Clint Capella but we're never going to get get Clint Capella so we can get favors but at the same point maybe he gets the mid-level exception and just ends up being a really nice contract yeah I mean well and that's why when we were talking about the trade deadline the other day I was like especially now with he and Gobert playing better together they've now won eight straight with those two guys getting significant minutes together you know they're not just like trying to split those guys up as soon as possible and with joe johnson gone there i guess when crowder is is there he'll be a more stretch for option too but you know maybe utah just says hey you know what Derek? like two years 23 million dollars just come back here maybe that's his best off you know maybe because they can, they'll have his bird rights they can offer him more than the mid-level i don't see any cap space team wanting to sign him for more than the mid-level and even you know may, maybe there's a team that might want to go three or four years with the mid-level uh, but you know, maybe, maybe he does end up coming back to utah uh, that's uh, and, and playing power forward so maybe he shouldn't be on the center list but i think for most teams in the league he would be a center um so yeah uh, but this this has been enlightening we should probably wrap this up here um don't forget our sponsor blue apron blueapron.com slash cap space and also indochino use that cap space code get any premium suit for 359 dollars we'll be back on thursday night uh, once the all-star break is over to catch you up on all the happening until then thanks for bearing with us on vacation we got to do it every once in a while talk to y'all next time at bet365 We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.